Welcome to the Jesus, Sex, and Politics podcast. I'm Micah. And I'm Nathan. And here we talk about all those things culture doesn't want to talk about. That will scare you. And I don't know if today, necessarily, Nathan, is going to scare you. Today is going to be, I think, a really sweet moment in Jesus, Sex, and Politics history because our, our guest is a sweet lady. She doesn't look scary. She doesn't look scary no, at all. At she all. looks very, very kind and compassionate. But don't let looks fool you. I bet we're going to get into some good conversations here with our guest, <laughs> Becky Hitchcock. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Jesus, Sex, and Politics podcast. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you. Now, Becky, you, you live in in the Carmel area and you've been a prayer warrior. I got to hear a little bit about you from mutual friends. You have a book and this is why we wanted to bring you in today because you have a book out there that's called What I Didn't Learn in Church, Transformative Truths Beyond the Pew. And, And I think that's such a beautiful title of a book. I think the concept is great. I've thumbed through the the Cliff Notes version of it, but I want to dive into it with you more because I think that's so America right now. What are people not learning in church that they should be, those transformative truths? And so we were like, well, why don't we bring a lady who wrote the book on it? So there you go. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your background and and then kind of how you came to writing this this book that people should should get. Well, uh, I have been married to my husband, Cam, for 33 years, and we have five children and a daughter-in-law, a son-in-law, and I have to mention our two big dogs, Dave and Alfred. Did you consider those, are those part of your kids? They, they sort of become <laughs> like our kids. So, but not the five kids. So you've got, right. okay, okay. There, right. I was like, I couldn't tell if that was, because that's really, <laughs> listen, I've been around dog parents before and they take it very seriously sometimes. So. You know, it's funny because I wasn't a dog person and we didn't have dogs because I was like, we have five kids. I cannot deal with disciplining and handling one more person in this household. But my husband is a big dog guy. And then the kids now, obviously they can't live without Dave and Alfred, but. That's awesome. I love it. I, I need to get my wife to talk to you because she's in the same boat. I love dogs. Now we did have a dog before we had kids. And uh, he, we had him for 13 years. He passed away, but unfortunately, obviously. But the, uh, but she's like, now we have two kids, and she's like, no more dogs. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Dogs are awesome. So I think dogs are awesome, but I had to talk my wife into the dog, and I didn't want to pee on your shoe dog. I wanted a dog, like a dog, man's dog, right? Yes. And so I That's just some kept, I, I kept telling dog. her what I wanted. I want a golden retriever. I'm going to name it Patton. I'm going to have a golden retriever. I'm going to name right. it Patton, and. Uh, and so, you know, the kids wanted a dog so badly. And I, I, I came to a point where she didn't want all the hair and everything. She didn't want a dog in the house. And, and I came to the point where I gave up hope. I was like, it's not going to happen. And I said, kids, someday, whenever you're older and you can have a dog, I hope you get a dog so that you can experience it. Eventually, but I just kind of quit talking about it. One day she comes in and, and she says, um, I think it's time that we get a dog. And I said, what kind of dog? She goes, you can get your golden retriever. I'm like, you're kidding me. It's like an answer to prayer. Were you praying this? Was oh this my, like a prayer I, that you privately, actually? Like you get to a point where it's not good to talk to somebody about what you want. Just leave it before the Lord. <laughs> so I finally got it 17 years later. And, and then the dog actually, it pees on your shoe too. Only it's got more pee because it's so big. That's right. They, they have these 
problem called submissive urination problem. It's terrible. And I was like, stop being <laughs> submissive <laughs> urination. It took six months to grow out of that. It's great dog now, but it was a terrible situation. Do humans, do humans have that problem? I submissive know. urination. I hope not. <laughs> Only when you get older. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. I was no joke. This morning I was tickling Savannah. She's uh, four years old and Susan's late. She's getting ready to have her WIBC segment that she does every Friday so she's late and she's not like she's not in a playful mood and and Savannah just wants to play so I start tickling her and she all of a sudden her tick her her laughing goes to like silent and her eyes get real big and and she's kind of on the floor and she looks up at me and I'm like what happened and she's like I just peed and I'm like no you didn't I pick her up sure enough all (laughs) over the carpet Susan comes in like you're dealing with this I'm leaving (laughs) it was like Okay, well, yes, well, that's, that's right. enough of submissive urination. Yes. All right. Let's that's move good. on yeah. to the interview. <laughs> yes. That chapter in my book. Yeah, is that you? <laughs> chapter five, submissive urination. Didn't learn about that in church. <laughs> okay, so tell us, okay, the, the heart behind the book and just why the Lord led you to write it and, and tell us a little, about, a little bit about it. Okay, well, I had been a student of the word for maybe 30 years and over a couple decades in three states, I started meeting with women primarily outside the church and studying God's word together, usually in a family room. And how it began was in the western suburbs of Chicago, I had just finished a career in the fashion industry to be a stay-at-home mom. And I distinctly remember one afternoon I was sitting on the floor changing my son's diaper and I was looking at his precious chubby little face and he was giggling and to be honest I felt nothing and I was numb Mm. and I was scared and I cried out to the Lord what is wrong with me and he heard my cry and shortly thereafter I found out I was suffering from postpartum depression Mm. my wife had that it was such a shock to me Mm. And it was a very, very dark time. And in that dark time, I found myself praying like never before and searching the scriptures for strength and comfort. And I'll be honest, I was raised in the church. I was raised in a great Christian home, but I really had put my faith on the back burner. And it was a time where God was saying, hey, draw closer to me. And so I got this idea. I was in a book club play group, and I said, hey, do you guys want to study the book, the Bible? And I was a little nervous to ask them. And to my surprise, several of them said yes. And so then I really panicked because I thought, who's going to lead this group? So I went to the pastor of the church where we were going at the time, and I said, hey, I got about 10 women that want to study the Word of God. Could you find someone to lead us? And he said, "Mm, I don't have anyone at this time, but why don't you do it? And I thought, "Uh uh-uh. There's no way. Mm. We need an expert. We need someone with experience. We need a professional. And so out of desperation, he encouraged me and he said, listen, if you study God's word together, you will grow as an individual and your group will grow. Mm -hmm. And I said, what the heck? So on Monday nights, 10 of us started meeting in our family room. And what we didn't expect was to uncover multiple biblical truths we had not been taught in church. Mm. Hmm. And we also didn't expect for that little group of 10 to grow to about 200 in just a couple of years. Whoa. Holy cow. It Dang. Was, it was wild. That's larger than the average church in America. <laughs> we had no clue what we yeah, were that's doing. That's twice as big. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's awesome. So um, fast forward a couple decades in three states because we had moved around a lot. And I just started 
in my neighborhoods. I would ask, do you want to study God's word? God would divinely connect me with people. And over three states, I say it was the Midwest too, where we lived in Chicago and then um, suburbs of Detroit and then back here to Indianapolis. And have been doing that ever since, meeting with women and discovering truths that we had not learned in church. And when I started these different groups, I kept hearing a rhetorical question. And it was, wait, why didn't I learn that in church? Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to share um truths and they're very basic that challenged our faith that invigorated our faith and that empowered our faith i I love it and that's you know we hear that a lot too when we when we're preaching the word Mm -hmm. right when you're going through the word i'll get it and i know nathan you get it too where people come up and be like i've never heard that before i've been a christian my whole life why have not why have i it's almost like they've gotten you know you should write a sequel to your book called how did my pastor fail to teach me this That's right. We will not, and we will not uh, be on that book, hopefully. So, like, so these two guys, Mike and Nathan, never hit on this one point. So, <laughs> what's so funny is we all, obviously we all came from different backgrounds. I mean, there were some that had never studied God's word. There were some that were Catholic. There were some that were uh, very, what primarily, primarily, I would say, very conservative Christian denominations, and we some of us were righteously indignant. We're like, we were mad. Why didn't we, this would have helped us a lot. Had yeah. we known this. I'm so truth. intrigued. Can you give me some examples of some things that you learned, you uncovered, oh. but, but it wasn't taught to you in church. Yeah. But you might be surprised because you guys probably teach this, but, um, so, well, so we, <laughs> we try. <laughs> That's a good thing. We, like, we probably should like hear what we teach first. Cause we, we, we don't want to be in your next sequel. Yeah, book, like if so, I, uh, if I end up in this book, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. But, okay. And then I, I do have to say, maybe we weren't listening. Maybe, you know, maybe. Right. Yeah. You know what? Fair. Thank you for that. Yes. <laughs> to be fair, maybe we, we were, we were glossing over or there were things that, but I, I went back because in, in, in the denomination I grew up in, it was very conservative. And are you going to tell us the denomination? Gonna, you grew up? You're going to have to guess. And, um, Ooh. I know you, you could probably guess. Um, <laughs> am I going to say it? Hey, listen. Okay, maybe we we'll do that can later. You, yeah. Can you at least break it down? Is it Arminian or Calvinist? I gotta, you know, there's a lot of denominations. That's funny. That's funny. Um, and I I actually didn't hear these truths in my home. So then I started teaching my parents, which was mm-hmm. funny. Sometimes cool. they would agree with me. Sometimes they wouldn't. But eventually, I think they came around. Mm-hmm. So and. The very first two chapters were fundamental to all of our faith. And so the first one was, and I started with Isaiah 61, 7. It says, for your shame, I gave you a double portion. Because what I was observing is most of the women in the groups were walking under what I want to call shame clouds. Mm. And it was this feeling and toxic emotion. I'm not good enough. I'm not accepted. I'm not approved. God's not pleased with me. Mm-hmm. And then when we started to study the scripture, and I'm not forgiven. Mm. I'm really not forgiven. I am not forgiven of sins from my past. I'm not forgiven of sins maybe in my current life. And I'm not forgiven for sin that had been done to me. Mm-hmm. And it was choking all of us because we really weren't walking in the freedom that Christ died for us to have. And when they finally had the revelation after studying scripture, no, you really are forgiven as far as the East is from the West. And he he remembers it no more. Exactly. And he took our shame. And it's not 
us trying to get forgiven. So we were trying to do things for God to be accept, accepting us and be approved you know, by God. And it changed our relationship because really with God, because what we were doing, you know, when, you know, someone's mad at you, you sort of keep them at an arm distance yeah. and you mm-hmm. walk on eggshells. We were discovering there was such a deep revelation that, oh my gosh, what Jesus did for us, he really did take it all. Mm-hmm. We started to walk in freedom and we started to see these shame clouds dissipate. Praise God. And then yeah. we started to draw closer to God because I always say he isn't mad at you. He's madly in love with you. Yeah. Yeah. But it's good. It didn't happen overnight. I mean, we were having to undo a lot of legalism and a lot of wrong belief systems. You, you learn to walk in your true identity. Exactly. And that's, and that's the, I would say the, uh, epidemic within our culture today is an identity crisis epidemic. And we can see that not only with the world, obviously men think they're women and women think they're men, which is complete nonsense, obviously. But but even in the church world, they don't know that they're really children of God, set free, completely removed of their sin. Now, it doesn't mean they won't necessarily sin anymore, but it's the righteousness of Christ is now covering them as their identity and boy, you make one mistake and you instantly take back your old identity and say, well, I'm such a loser. I've done this. I did that. Oh, why did I do that? And you're you're putting on the identity that was once yours, not anymore though, and you're removing the identity that God says, no, I paid for your new identity. Stop driving the old car when you have this brand new Ferrari that I, I paid for you to drive around in, right? Like this exactly. is, you know, and I think yeah. that's the that's the hardest part for Christians to, to just, it, the devil hits us on that all the time. Like you did this and you're this. And, and then we just, we forget our identity. It's, and, it's, yes. it's not knowing the real gospel message because that, exactly. that is the gospel. So churches are, are teaching maybe they're, they're teaching on maybe holiness, which there's nothing wrong with. Right. We need to teach on holiness. Yes. You know, we need to teach on, um, you know, our, our identity, but we have to look at Christ's identity when we're looking at our identity. The, one of the things I, I like to think when you talked about the the, the word approved, right? Um, you know, it's that when Jesus gets baptized, the Father says, "You know, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased." And so, one of the great ways to explain the gospel is to talk about the great exchange. So, so this is how God looks at Jesus. And then Jesus exchanges our old identity for his identity, which is well-pleasing in front of the Lord. And he says, okay, now you take all, I'll take all your sin and sorrow, and you take all of the pleasure that my father feels on me. And everything happened at the cross, you know? So we, so many times in our churches uh, that people don't understand works-based faith, which is very common even in Christianity, if mm. not taught properly, and, and and really the very big difference of 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 grace based faith, right? Yeah. Where where he's done it all, mm-hmm. and he's the hero of the story, and we're not. We're the recipient of of the work that's been done for us. So I could see how that would be totally enlightening for you know uh, for for those who've never heard it before or really truly understood the gospel. Right, or even went deep enough to understand it. You know, I'm always saying, search a matter out for yourself. Mm-hmm. And this is what we all had to do. Yeah. We see that today. We need to search some matters out yeah. for ourselves. And so 
you just wrote the second chapter of my book and it was we discovered that we had a new identity in Christ. And it was funny because I remember, you know, you always have these different catchphrases in Christianity. And um, I thought, oh yeah, identity in Christ, I know what that means. And I didn't have a clue. And that's the foundation of our faith, what we always have to go back to, because just like um, what you were saying, Micah, you know, you have a thought or you, you fall, you fail, and then you go back to that old car yep. that you were driving, yep. the clunker, that, and you're not in the Ferrari that Jesus gave you, that, right? That's been paid for. Yeah. yeah it gets but, you looking yeah. at you rather than yeah. looking at the cross. That's yes. right. So yep. um, one of the girls, I in each chapter, I just give a personal story of people that we've I've met over the years and Tina she had come to me at the end of one of the um, groups we had and this was we were studying the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ and that was another I became righteous mm-hmm. I mean this was foreign to all of us mm. and she said I can't get this she had grown up in a very legalistic church I I just can't grasp this and I said Tina just go home tonight pray and God will give you the answer and when she left, and she's in tears, and when she left, I was thinking, well, good luck, because it's going to take you a while. <laughs> because it took me so long to grasp myself, mm-hmm. and I thought, she's going to have to study a lot and get you just really focus on these scriptures. And um, that was how faith-filled I was. And I, um, I heard her, she called me the next day, and I heard in her voice such joy. And she says, you are not going to believe this. And I was like, what? She said, I, last night I went to sleep and I felt like God was nudging me to, it wasn't like she heard his voice. I believe you can sometimes hear the audible voice of God, but it was a nudging. Woke up in the middle of the night and he told me to go look up Galatians 5.22, which is the fruit of the spirit. And for her, he said, Tina, it is my love, it is my patience, it is my kindness, my forbearance mm. that is in you. It is mine. You don't have to try to go do all those things for me to accept you mm. because it is me in you. And one of her favorite verses is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Yeah. Because she kept trying, trying, trying. to. That's what shame-based people do. I mean, we all can fall back into shame. You try to, you know, the world says punish the the crime, punish this, you know, or we say you're not approved or accepted unless you do these yeah. benchmarks. You know, I, I always use this, uh, there's a shame assessment at the end of the first chapter and it's just practical things. For instance, you know, how many times have we eye rolled with our kids or heavy sigh? Basically we're saying, <laughs> uh, I really don't approve of yeah. you right now. You know, and we right. do it all the time. It's what society, you know, we do that. So one of the, what was interesting is one of the things in the shame assessment is um, you don't feel worthy to receive. And that's what I would say with most of us was we didn't feel worthy because we didn't know what we had in Christ to receive that much grace, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So um, as we started to, walk out of those shame clouds, then we started to learn, oh my gosh, we became a new creation in Christ. I, I I didn't know we became a new creation. I don't feel new. I don't feel different. And we also, this was another truth um, in First Thessalonians 5.23, it talks about your spirit, soul, and body. Had never heard that. And I, I felt like once you get saved, there should just be walk right into teach, teach them what they have and what they, you know, what they can walk in. Because we were we were a lot of us were suffering we had no idea because you're just getting 
tossed and turned from your horrible thoughts about yourself. And you had, you know, my people are being destroyed for their lack of knowledge. Mm -hmm. So, um, when we learned that we were new creations in Christ and then that we were made of three parts, that was huge. My kids will say, mom, you never get lyrics right with, with songs. And I, and I <laughs> have to agree. I don't like, I hear like whole nother sentences and they don't So even, do I. Do you Absolutely. Okay. I'm yeah. like, when did that, that song, like the song, they changed uh, the words to that. Wasn't the words this you, uh, and my wife's like, it was never that. Yes. You like Sonny and Cher's song. I need you, Gabe. I was like, who's Gabe? <laughs> Who's Gabe? Okay. <laughs> I, have, I have two good ones. Okay, so I was talking to my friend, and this will date me, but you said Sunny and Cher, so I can say. <laughs> um, I thought um, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Boogie Wonderland, was you belong to Lance. Oh, that's oh, funny. You <laughs> and then. You're like, who's Lance? Who's Lance? <laughs> and then my other friend. You know had, what? I got I to gotta yeah. tell you something right now. I still don't know what the words of the thought, what that song is supposed to say. Boogie Wonderland. That's yeah. what it's saying. Boogie Wonderland. Yes. Okay. All right. And okay, so, you and then to Lance. I, I see, can see that. You just got well, a revelation. In the garden, Andy walks with me. I'm like, who's Andy? Andy walks, walks with me. Andy talks with me. That's how you know what tell. God's it's like, nickname it's is. It's like, who's Andy? Andy? <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Andy who? <laughs> so fun. my friend, she thought the Blues Brothers, um, I'm a soul man. She thought it was saying, I was so mad. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I parallel that too. I really too also thought I was just a soul man. I didn't realize that we were spirit, soul, and body. And when we discovered and just started talking about like yeah. that first Thessalonians 520, you're actually three different parts and that your soul is your mind, your will, will and, and your emotions, emotions. Yeah. opened up a whole totally. new understanding. Yeah, it totally does. And it, there's a, there's an interesting question we get asked as pastors a lot, especially when you're preaching the gospel, you get to it. Um, you know, there's a demon, uh, that's, that's, uh, you know, really racking a, a person and Jesus comes in and the question becomes, can a, can a Christian struggle with the demonic? Because we get, we get the, like the term demon possession. Yes. And, and then some people say, well, you're not demon possessed, you're demon oppressed. Well, yes. in the Greek, it's really demonized. Demons are at yep. work. And so can a Christian have a demon go after their body? Oh Yeah. Mm -hmm. That that can happen. Well, what about your soul? And they get used to hearing soul as your spirit, and that's they're not the same thing. A soul being mind, will, and emotions. Okay. Well, could a demonic spirit be at work against your mind, your will, or your emotions? Certainly, all day. <laughs> oh, certainly. But can he have your spirit? Well, not if your spirit belongs to God. Exactly. Right. But you can you can have you could be demonized in a lot of different places, which is why we have to go in and we have to cleanse that stuff out. Here at Life Church, we we have the Freedom Conference. And you know, you're learning to walk in the truth of God. And then we have a we have a conference at the end that says, okay, we're gonna pray over you. We're gonna bathe this thing in the word of God. But theology sets us free. And so many times you have to go back to people, even Christian people, I have to look at them and go, I need you to go back to your theology. Do you, do you, do you remember your theology? Because you need it right now. What did Jesus say here? What was done for you on the cross? How did that affect you? So I can absolutely see how the lights are going on as people really gain a, a revelation of the mm -hmm. gospel. 
And it, it wasn't just head knowledge. It had to be the heart. Yep. And that's where we had to get the knowledge. word. And, and exactly. Experience. Every, we were all experiencing such freedom mm-hmm. and the power of that word in us. So, um, and there were so many stories and I share a little throughout each, but um, in this particular, when we finally learned identity in Christ, um, we, and you have to go back to it, just like you say. I mean, this had to be our foundation. It was mm-hmm. Jesus when he was tempted in the des- desert. He was constantly saying who he was. He was using the word of God. I mean, mm-hmm. so you have to use it and you have to know it. And um, I, I am not, I, I believe in the supernatural at that time, years ago, I didn't even know about the supernatural, which I, I'll write a couple chapters in here um, where we there's some supernatural things that have occurred throughout um, those groups meeting. But I had no clue about it, and um, I had, but I God kept putting people around me that I could learn from, and um, there were some people that walked in a lot of supernatural that had come in and out of our lives. But the uh, and so they would have visions, and I mean that was in scripture, mm-hmm. and I. I didn't have visions, but this one time I was praying and I had this vision and it was, um, I saw this bridal gown I'm like, everyone goes, Oh, it's so beautiful. You know, we all have that feeling when we see the bride walk down the aisle and everybody stands in awe. And, um, and I felt like the Lord was speaking to me. He says, that's how I see you. And, and still after the knowledge I knew, you'd still always be like, Oh, not really. You know, the bride going right back to old pattern thinking and he said, no, that's really how I see you. That's, you are my bride. And that's what Christ died for you yeah. to be. And, um, I'm, and I'm like, oh, thanks, Lord, you know. And then he said, okay, now I want you to take a Sharpie, and I want you to write all on that gown what you say about yourself. Mm. And I thought, oh, I can't do that. He said, exactly. Then why do you? Uh, that's good. And um, so I had to speak at a conference, and I, brought, I bought a bridal gown, and I brought it out, and I was teaching about identity in Christ. And this is a church that was well-established, and you would think that they would know these truths. Yeah, basics, yeah. They, they were shocked. They, I, I could tell from the audience they couldn't even believe that they were made in three parts and that the spirit part of them was the part that was saved. That's why where Christ dwelt. That's where the fruit of the spirit was. You didn't have to go try to get the fruit of the spirit was in you. You know, develop it, yes. But they were stunned that... God looked at them as righteous in Christ. They, you could just see it. They were like mouth wide open when mm. you would say that. Mm-hmm. And it hurt my heart for them because I knew they, had, they were struggling yeah. just like all of us were limping along. Yeah, they're living in shame. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. So anyway, I had this gown and I said, okay, and everyone, oh, beautiful gown. And I said, okay, can I have a couple people come up? Because I, I would like a couple volunteers. And I gave them a Sharpie and I said, I need you to write on this gown what you say about yourself. You know, because God says you're his treasured possession, you're his friend, you're my beloved, all the things that I am versus that he says about you because that's your identity. And they said, no, I can't do that. And I said, yes, I want you to write it on this gown. And they started writing. They, are you sure? Yes. And um, It's they, clearly not a New York gala with uh, AOC there that says tax the rich. <laughs> that's okay? right. Exactly. Doesn't yeah. yeah, she wrote on her <laughs> gown, but uh, it was, yeah, that was, oh boy. So it was, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. All the things that, you know, the bad self-talk. And I said, okay, so this, it was a real impression to them. And Christ, you know what? He died for you. And when you, when we do this, everything that he died for is like, 
nullified in our minds because he died because he made you this beautiful bride and you're marking mm-hmm. it up and destroying what he That's did. Good. And it made a big impression. Oh, I, 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 now, I totally see why. Well, and you know, here's the thing. Like, I'm just thinking from a presenter's, you know, kind of like a cool wow factor. Were you able to like snap your finger and like get the markers to come off the gown? Like, can you That's spray something? Step. That's it's like, and then the Lord comes back with His righteousness. He sprays that on you, and you and he, he it all washes away in this beautiful gown again. So, right. uh, yeah, I guess I could have turned the gown. Around. Oh, there you go. Yeah, there right. Yeah, go. yeah. So no, but it, it did make an impression, and. Um, I I love seeing when people the lights come on absolutely and then then I love seeing when they walk in it yeah. and they're walking in freedom mm-hmm. and then how it affects other people too that's mm-hmm. good um, so it, fast forward okay so then the next chapter was on um, the word of God many of the women that were in these groups one had never studied the word of God that's okay that's what we were there to do and many were taught. Um, well, you can't really understand it unless it's coming through a pastor or a priest. So again, don't. <laughs> that's, like, that's like Martin Luther days. Like, how's that? How's that mindset still? Uh, you know, Reformation still. days. Well, you know, but you know, my dad got got saved out of Catholicism, mm-hmm. and so he was during the Jesus Revolution, kind of late sixties, early seventies. My my dad uh, started to read the Bible as a Catholic kid. They were very very devout. Sure. Um, as a family, but. He knew there was a God, but he didn't know what God wanted from him. And so, you know, he would talk to the Lord every night. He'd pray every single night of his life, you know, because he was taught to do that. But he still didn't know God, even though he was in mass and he was a, you know, he was an altar boy and 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 all of the stuff that you do, he didn't know God. But so he starts to read the Bible because, you know, everybody's talking about Jesus, so he thought he should. But he, Almost immediately, the the priest, what he was getting back is, you're not smart enough to read the Bible, and you'll mess this up. And my dad is thinking to himself, but I, but I think I understand it, right? And so the more he read, the more he understood, and they're telling him, no, you don't understand it. He starts to think to himself, am I like some, am I John the Baptist or something? Like, am I some special person in the world? <laughs> That I can understand the Bible, and he all—he sort of looked like John the Baptist if you see those old yeah, pictures oh, yeah, of him. Yeah, he was a hippie like, at that time. <laughs> but but the 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 point of the matter is is that a lot of Catholics, you know, a lot of Catholics, but a lot of Protestants as well, are told that you, you they have no confidence right. to read the Bible and think that the Lord, you know. The, well, that the Holy, Holy Spirit's Spirit going to speak you. to them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. it says the Holy Spirit will teach you. That's right. Yeah, it's true, and they and and they probably have a concept too, which I found is that they could only like because the pastor has the seminary degree and all the teachings, they would be the expert. Which no doubt, yeah, you definitely have experience, and but you got to search a matter out yourself. That's right. And well, then talk to the pastor and how. You well, know. not only that, but I mean fundamentally. And I know that what we do sometimes with with pastors and priests, we put them up and they look like the holy man. Mm-hmm. And that is a wrong thinking when you're a Christian because the Bible says we're a priesthood of believers. We're all priests. So you've got to almost dispel that I am the way that you learn about God mm-hmm. and, and get them back to a point where you learn about God because you have his word. 
And then as a community, we check it off each other by the word yes. to find out, are we are we in agreement? Is there two or three witnesses? Let every word be established. But that's the early church was actually in people's homes. Yep. And they're reading it and they're deciphering it. They didn't have an apostle in each place. Yeah. They, yeah. they, they, they realized that we do this together as mm-hmm. we check it off God's word. Well, and I'm a, I'm a testament to that because, you know, Nathan, I know you went to Bible college specifically for pastoral leadership, but I, I'm, I'm business management and economics. I did not go to Bible college. I did not study to be a pastor, but uh, I, I feel like the Lord has equipped me very well literally because I have been taught the word at That's a very right. young age from my mm-hmm. parents, and then I dive into it. And the Holy Spirit leads me in it. And people will, you know, especially people who want to discredit me out in the political world, you know, they'll be like, what, what degree do you have? Like, where's your, exactly. where's your seminary degree? I'm like, Peter didn't have a seminary degree. Yeah. You know? he, had, he had this thing <laughs> called hanging out with Jesus <laughs> That's right. <laughs> because it literally says that these, they, they looked at these men and they looked at them and, and thought these are Galileans. Galileans were uneducated. They were untraveled. They were and dumb. They, but right, but it says, and it says that they were uneducated, and it says they took note these men had been with Jesus. Yeah, that's that's your credential. That, that's it. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to start using that when people say, "What what's your degree in?" I've been with Jesus. There you go. That's going to be good. Yeah, that's, that's going to be real good. good. I, mean, yeah. I, I think like it's Acts say, four. Yeah, uh, God uses the foolish things of the world to confound uh, yeah. wise. That's yep. exactly right. I love it. I love it. Right, that, which is exactly so fun. Right. Literally, a lady on my Facebook the other uh, yesterday was saying, uh, like, uh, you, you know, she was talking about Hamilton County becoming more highly educated, and she was like, "You need to move to a rural part of the state, Micah, if you ever want to have an impact in politics, because implying that they're too dumb, right, in the rural part of the state." And Hamilton County is now this like highly diverse and educated. And I said, "All due respect, highly educated just today is synonymous with highly indoctrinated, in my opinion." And oh, I, that's good. And, and I, I'm like, I, I have lost so much respect for people who spend buku bucks on being educated in all fields. And I'm, I'm talking about even in biblical education no, too. We got some of the idiots. We got we some got of the many. dumbest people yeah. who have, you know, uh, a title next to their name. There's no common sense. There's no wisdom and considering themselves wise, they became fools. Yeah. You know, it's Romans one playing out in all walks of life. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, you know, I think I love it when God takes the, the, the person that the world would never in a million years think that that could do this, and the Lord says, "Yeah, watch me. I'm going to yeah, work." Well, that's I'm so work He gets it. all the glory. That's right. That's right. why yeah. God likes to do it that yeah. way, and especially if we'll be humble and admit, you know, that's really oh, yeah. what humility is: is how much I need God. You know, Moses writes about himself; he was the most humble man that ever lived. <laughs> how do How do you do that? Because he's saying, well, whoa, whoa, whoa. We've had this conversation and there is evidence that maybe a scribe would have written no, that I part. Think he wrote it. You really think that? Absolutely. Because you told me the opposite I, about a year ago. No, I no, asked no, you, no. I, think, I asked you, I, I, I want to see your degree. It. What degree? You pull out your degree right now. And what authority do you speak on? I, I had been with Jesus. <laughs> um, Touche. No, I, Touché. I really believe he can say that because he goes, I know how much I need God. Mm-hmm. Bingo. I know, I know more than any other man how much I need God. I know how bad I am. But you know, at the same time though, to your point, I love the fact that you talk about studying God's word because, you know, you might not have a pastor right there. And I love his challenge to you is that you're gonna grow. One of the things we, we have is people start doing children's ministry at the church is that they might know very little Mm -hmm. at all about the Lord 
but they start doing children's ministry and they're like, oh man, this is like applying to me. I think I'm, I'm learning it. And the scripture talks about study to show yourself approved. Yes. A workman that, that doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And you grow by doing not simply by sitting there in a row and listening. Exactly. We, we want to get people out of rows and get them into circles yes. and get them discussing the word. Yes. Yeah, that's good. And that's what these groups were. And, and it's called Chick Church, what you have now, we right? You have like, a Chick Church. Yeah, yes. I love it. And, uh, <laughs> no dudes allowed. No dudes. Just I FYI. I am so offended. <laughs> Are you offended? What if I identify as a chick? So what would happen? Uh, you, would you, know, would you guys give me the big stanky boot? Get out of here. You're a dude. We, so. we might. <laughs> Uh, I know, and it's uh, that I laugh because my mom would when we did the book launch. She she got up and she spoke and she said I didn't know what she was going to. She's like, you know, I never in a million years thought Becky would ever write a book, and and it was we were laughing because she's I never took school seriously, and I, I had like a lo- you so much. I yeah, had I a lot of fun <laughs> in school. Like when I talk about my faith going on the back burner, yeah, it was school, and 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 it was my motto was. And I'm not proud of it, but C's get degrees. That, but that's you know, I was all about the fun. Amen, sister. Preach. I was all I was right about there. the fun. Yeah. And uh, that's why it was so shocking to my mom. She couldn't believe I was starting to study God's word. It really was a shocker. I love it. And um, also that I had five kids because I think I said I I was not sure I wanted kids because I was in this career, and then I wanted two. You know, the perfect for me, what was comfortable, and then God stretched me especially because I had postpartum depression after every single one. Wow. And and then two dogs. And then the two dogs. <laughs> yeah. And then a book. Uh-huh. So anyway, yes, we do have Chick Church, and it is the women. You know, no offense, guys, but for some reason, I've been in mixed groups before. Like, we are in a, currently we're in a quasi-house church. And for some reason, it seems that the women really, now we don't want them to get into you know, a therapy group or anything like that. But the women tend to share a little bit more. Uh, that's true. Because guys, guys are simple, Becky, okay? Like, so there's no offense there. But I just want to explain this to you okay, because we, please? We, we just, it's like, hey, man, how you doing? I'm doing well. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Uh, let's watch some sports. Okay, great. That is our therapy right there. Like, right. hey, how you doing? Uh, it's been a rough day. All right, hang in there, man. Oh, thanks, dude. All right, let's watch some sports. Right. Like, that's really, <laughs> that's really, is it, is it? that's all. It's that side by side growing. You're just, yeah. Out. yeah, yeah, I get that. But the women, they're there and they'll share what they're learning. They'll share what, it's just, it's quicker. Like, you're not waiting. For that is guys. true. I will say we've got a men's and a ladies group, like, that meet at the church on Sundays. And, uh, like it's basically couples coming in, but the men go into this this place, and the women. I'm telling you, if I ever walk into what the men are doing versus what the ladies are doing, I'm like, the guys are just hanging out eating pizza, and the ladies are in there with their Bibles open, crying. There's right. there's there's Kleenex everywhere. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is this so. Much. Sounds like the beginning chapters of Men Are From Our Women Are From Venus. <laughs> right, totally and, I mean, but you know, women are. Did you know that the first muscle that begins to develop in little in in little girls is their jaws <laughs> and and in little boys it's their legs <laughs> right that's so funny that's, that's what i heard how did you well that's what i was told i want to research that don't if it's I don't a believe joke that. it's a good one i i just i'm just saying and then uh, the average woman speaks twenty four thousand yes. words a day the average man twelve thousand words a day oh you know that's true gosh that's was, true. That's Micah, we're that, not the average men. No, we're not. No, we're we not. we talk a lot. Okay, well, okay, I don't want to... 
I don't want to cut this part short, but I do want to get into chapter five because we had said chapter five was submissive urination. Oh. It is not that. It is not that. It actually, in chapter five, it is, I didn't learn the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. This is the big one, and I want yes. to kind of end with this because we see this at Life Church all the time. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. I didn't know about this. I didn't know I had this right to walk in this as a believer. Why didn't someone tell me? Mm-hmm. So I love that you put it in chapter five here. So go into that a little bit and talk about how sure. you, you know, coming from a, a very, very probably, conservative. yeah, very conservative, probably didn't necessarily dive down this path a lot. So Never how did the Lord take you from, hey, I didn't know what it is to walking in the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Sure. So, you know, you're reading the scriptures in, in all four gospels, and, you know, John, John the Baptist is saying, I baptize you with water, but the one whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry is going to baptize you in the spirit and fire. Mm-hmm. And and then I kept hearing, I'll hear a teaching here and there, this was way back when, 30 years ago, uh, the baptism in in the Holy Spirit. And I was like, what, what is that? I, I had no clue. I'm, I'm confused. I thought there was just the water baptism. And so, as God would have it, uh, a woman that had been mentoring me when I lived in Chicago, she was much older, I called her and I said, Arlene, what is this baptism in the Holy Spirit? And sure enough, she was spirit-filled. And she said, oh, let me explain to you. And um, she took me through the scriptures, and then she talked about getting a prayer language. And coming from my background, I was like, uh, that's demonic, that's weird, no way. You know, it, I'm figuring you, out you what were the since she came from. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are still trying to guess. Well, you just, I'm just kidding. I'm we, love you the ba- we love the Baptists, so we're just... Uh, I'm going to tell you later. It's funny. Um, okay, so... She said, why don't you come downtown and come, she lived in Chicago, downtown Chicago, and uh, Fred and I- back then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I can trust you now. Um, you, Fred and I, her husband, we'll, we'll lay hands on you and baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And I thought, okay. Well, I respected her so much, and I really trusted her. I said, okay. So went down to her condo, and I'm pleading with God. I, I'm, I'm saying, okay, if this is you- I have to find a parking space right in front of her building. Well, you guys know downtown Chicago, and there's no way. There was a parking space right in front of her building. So I'm like, okay, here I go again, putting the fleece out. And so then I get up to her apartment, and Fred's not home, and I'm excited because I'm thinking, I'm dashing out the door. Mm -mm, This isn't going to happen. Because I was scared, and I didn't know what I was getting into, and I was like, they're going to kick me out of my church. You know, my family's going to think I'm weird. And so... That's how the, the Assemblies of God actually got started. All the people that got kicked out of their churches for getting baptized in the Holy Spirit came together. That's awesome. And they said, no dead beats allowed if you've had this experience. And they met in Hot Springs, Arkansas. That's actually how the AG gets started. I didn't know that. Yeah. I like that. So fast forward, um, Fred gets home just in the nick of time. They lay hands on me, baptize, you know, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then they're praying in their prayer language. It's beautiful. I'm very touched. I'm weeping. Um, I didn't pray in a prayer language, but I knew something supernatural took place. So uh, a couple years later, I was talking to my sister-in-law, and she had gone to a conference where they did the baptism of the Holy Spirit at the end, and she called me. She was, she, this was her words. Well, I got the tongues. <laughs> and i said what you just went down and that's her personality she just yeah. go down go for it oh, i love it and uh i was i was like oh my gosh and i hung up the phone and i'm like well i'm getting it too <laughs> in the spirit of competition and, <laughs> i love, it. I love no, it and i simply just prayed 
you know, I knew something had happened. And I, I know sometimes when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you don't pray automatically, right? In tongues, and I know there's all these different thinkings of, oh, you have to wait until it happens. Or, you know, I still believe you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, for me, it was, I probably was scared. There was a mental thing. I was thinking, okay, I don't know about this. But I simply just prayed, and it was so simple. And I was praying in a prayer language, and it was so beautiful. And it was, it increased my faith, because like, that is the Holy Spirit. So then you start to search the scriptures. And I think uh, there have been so many misconceptions and so many wrong teachings, I believe. Mm, yeah. Just with simple little words, like the word but, could in the Greek can be and. So like when you're reading 1 yeah, Corinthians 14, yeah. and we will pray in the yeah. Spirit, and we will pray in the natural. It is the Holy Spirit's perfect prayer. It is for the individual. It's for the believer when you're not in the congregation. If you're in the congregation, obviously in 1 Corinthians 14, it doesn't there's, help anyone unless it's order. interpreted. Yeah, there's right. order. And yeah. that's what he's talking about, Paul. And he is, and in, in Jude it talks about, you know, pray in the Spirit to build yourself up. Mm. I can't go a day without praying in the mm. Spirit because awesome. I have to be built up. Yep. If I'm going to pour into anyone, my family, whatever yeah. it may be, it's good. and I need a power gift. And if you notice, I believe some of the miracles that were happening were after they got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And then I know in Acts four times, in one of the chapters, it was uh, it was either Peter or Paul that said, okay, they just got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Do we have any water around here to baptize them in uh, the water? You know, so it was reversed. Yeah. I don't know how you look at the scriptures, but I do understand how you've had certain belief systems and you don't want to see it. Mm -hmm. And how you've been taught maybe in other churches, but that's how the disciples did it. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people don't receive because they don't understand. And Paul, even in the book of Acts 19, he knows that Apollos has done a, a lot of ministry in, in Ephesus. He makes a special trip back to Ephesus after hearing about the ministry of Apollos mm -hmm. because Apollos is only acquainted with the baptism of John. Yes. So Aquila and Priscilla take him aside. They're like, dude, you rock. You've got so many things. Excellent. Let me show you the way more excellent. So there's this thing you're missing, but you're awesome. Right. And, and, and then Paul finds out about this and he goes back into Ephesus and he starts off the conversation with all the believers in Ephesus. And he says, Hey, did you receive the Holy spirit when you believed? Like, who starts a conversation that way? Right. Unless it's important to you. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, and, and I, I love the Acts chapter eight uh, story where Philip, you know, converts, goes down to Samaria and converts all these, these Simon Samaritans, the Simon the sorcerer, and all these Samaritans to faith in Christ Jesus. They get baptized by water. And then in verse 14, it says, Now, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Yep, for guys. he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when I read that, I was like, whoa, 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 uh, hold the train here. What do you mean they simply had been baptized by the Lord Jesus? That means there's something else yeah. that is that is the birthright yeah. of, of, of a believer, of a follower of Jesus. And, yeah. and, and I'll take it even a step further. People have asked me before, they said, Micah, why, do, why don't we have it recorded? Why don't we have it recorded? <laughs> Why don't we have it recorded? 
<laughs> corded that. Jesus, Nathan has to go. I'm laughing right now because he's like, where, where do you have, have to be? To where do you have I, to be? I, I, Maria scheduled my, my appointment I'm so closely. At, I'm looking at your calendar right now. No, what is I, it? I'm supposed to meet somebody at 12.15. It's just terrible because this person doesn't have a cell phone, so I can't even tell them <laughs> I'm going to be late. So I wish <laughs> I did not. You have been What's awesome. Will you come day? back on the show? We would love <laughs> yes. to have you back on the show. I know. You guys are can, a lot of fun. Okay. Can, it is. We're already 47 minutes in, so Marie's going to be happy that we kept it under an hour. But I, I know. But can I finish guys, my thought? Yes, keep going. Okay, all right. Th- <laughs> Nathan, thank you. I will do your closing for you since you haven't been here the last few times we've done Jesus, Sex, and Politics. All right, wait a minute. I no. have to say this. <laughs> I, every time Micah does shows without me, don't cut my mic. He does shows without me. And he says, oh, he's gone here. Oh, he's gone here. Oh, he's gone here. I just missed out on a major interview because he forgot to even tell That's me. That's not true. The yes, lieutenant governor was don't, here. Don't and lie. I, I texted lie. Nathan. You, I said, dude, lie she's coming. She's coming in five minutes. Where are you? And he's like, I didn't know I was supposed to be there. It's the lieutenant governor. I didn't know she was coming. <laughs> it's not fair what he's done. He booked you with not enough time. God bless you. Keep coming around. <laughs> Okay, go ahead, finish your thought, Mike. Okay, I'll finish my thought. Thank you, Nathan. Good meeting you, Nathan. <laughs> well, and I, I think the point I was making there, Becky, on that, on that is, uh, people have asked me. They said, "Was Jesus? Did he? We, there are no, there are no miracles of him ever, or, or uh, recordings of him doing miracles when he was a child. Mm. You know, if he was really God, why didn't why didn't he do miracles when he was a teenager and twenty year old? You know, before he hit his ministry at thirty. And, and I, I didn't know a good answer for that. I always kind of like, I, I don't know. Like maybe he was just waiting for his time. And he always says, not my time has not yet come, right? So he's just waiting. Well, then the Lord took me to Philippians and I never realized, I'd never studied Philippians in, in, in depth. And I started studying it in depth. Philippians 2 talks about how the Lord emptied himself, took on the form of a servant, humbled himself unto death, even death on a cross. But if you go into that context in the Greek, it actually is a picture of, he says he left all attributes of God in heaven like he he basically things that made god god he left those attributes in heaven he didn't stop being god so that's not that we're not saying that he wasn't god he just imagine you know miracles and and the power of heaven was was he when he stepped off his throne he left it in heaven he took on the form of a humble baby mm-hmm. a servant who was defenseless now is God defenseless? No, God is not. Def- He's the defender, but Jesus was defenseless, right? He had angels protecting him, Mar- Mary and Joseph protecting him. And uh, and and so the Lord started talk- working through this with me, and he said, Micah, and literally he said this, he said, Micah, I didn't have the authority to do the miracles until when? And I was like, I don't know. And he said, go back and look at how I started my ministry. And you see the very first thing he does, he goes and meets John the Baptist, yep. and he's baptized by water. And then instantly he comes out of the water and heaven's opened up and the spirit of God descends upon him like a dove. And John says this, he says, the one you see the spirit of God descend upon and stay, he will be the Messiah because the spirit of God would rest upon people in the old Testament, right. like Samson and Moses. Yep. And, but he would leave. He wouldn't right. stay. stay. Mm-hmm. And, and the Lord said to me, he said, Micah, when that moment when, when the Spirit of God descended upon me and stood, all of heaven's power came back on me in the baptism mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit. And then I went out and started kicking butt, mm-hmm. right? And and at that point, it, that's when all of heaven came to earth. Right. And 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 so he said, he said, that's what you need. He said, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a, 
you're a second class citizen of heaven if you don't have it. It's right. a you do you want to go do incredible things for the kingdom? You need the power of heaven to do it. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the power of heaven. And why Christians don't aren't taught this or why they don't walk in this is it's mind blowing. I'm it, like, what are you doing? And it cripples us. It does. Because we're we want to go do these things. Yes, and, yes. And we we, we want to be effective. We want to be effective. Yeah. And that's what I didn't understand again. But mm-hmm. we know throughout church history, things have been, Satan wouldn't want us to have that's this right. gift, right? Yep. And things have been, uh, churches have been divided over it. Um, right now, one of my girlfriends, Tina, she lives in Houston and she started a group and she, they bought the book. And I'm asking her, I go, well, did you get to chapter five yet? Because I know that <laughs> <laughs> I'm the type of people that yeah. are in the group yeah. because I have had the exact same similar yep. experiences. And she said, yeah, they're really having a tough time with that one. And I said, yeah, that's a belief system that they're yeah. uh, having to change. And some are getting almost um, indignant saying, uh, you know, and it's fine. I took things out of context or, you know, whatnot. I try to always stay in context with, the scriptures, sure, you sure. Know? but you don't, when these, some of these things, when you have been a Christian for so long yeah. and you hear them, yeah. ask them about Acts chapter eight. I don't know if you talk about it in your book, but that's the one that even the one, like, like my wife, I, you know, awesome, awesome lady loves the Lord. And, uh, but she grew up Baptist yes. now. And I, I went to a Baptist, a fundamental Baptist school, but grew up charismatic Pentecostal, like in the church. So I had this two weird, like, you know, this very different, like Sunday, Sunday was very different than my schooling, right? In, in uh, K through 12. But the, uh, but she, she, she struggles with this too, in the sense of, you know, it's her journey. The Lord is moving her in that. And she's, she's certainly learning a lot. But when I, when I go to Ch- Acts chapter eight and show a Baptist that, and I say, listen, what do you think it means when the scriptures literally say uh, they had only simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus? What do you think that the scriptures say? There's, there's something more. Right. It doesn't, and, and again, that's the thing where I'm like, so tell me, how do you square this? Yeah, how do yeah. you square this one? Because there, why would Peter and John be sent from Jerusalem? It's a 20-mile walk, right. right? Why would you walk 20 miles to do something if it wasn't super important. And and they said, hey, praise the Lord. All these people in Samaria came to know the Lord. They need to be effective and powerful. So Peter and John, get your butts down there and baptize them with the Holy Spirit. And this is all New Testament. This is not Old Testament. This is after the ascension of Jesus. This is after the day of Pentecost. Everything we see in Acts chapter eight should look like what it looks like today. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, where I learned to give a resource to some people that really hit them. Uh, it's women that were in their 70s, yeah. uh, we were teaching this in a group because we would have all ages in our groups. And I gave them uh, Robert Morris's The God I Never Knew. Oh, I saw that in your book, yeah. His teachings yeah. struck them. I think maybe because he came from a past that didn't believe in it, yeah. and he was challenged with it. And these two young, not young, these young in this message as far as their faith went, um, they started reading his book and they all believed in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they had a prayer language. It was pretty cool. When I went to Haiti for a mission trip, these people were already groomed with um, teachings of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Like right before we arrived, the pastors there had been teaching them that. And then we were asked to help them receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and then a prayer language. 
and it was, um, I call it this, there was just a practical, I use this all the time and it's, it's not a gimmick. It's just, a. I think people are so like, well, what do I do? How do I get this prayer language? And, yeah. and it, they get so in their head. Yeah. And, and I understand because I had the same questions. And I call it priming the pump where we would be with these Haitians. So they're speaking another language. We would pray over them. And then I would say, okay, now I'm going to say a few, I'm going to pray a little bit in my prayer language. And I just want you to hear it and then recite what I'm, what you think I'm saying, yeah. you know, or uh-huh. what you're hearing. Yeah. And so they would, and it sounds gibberish. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they would just start going off in their own oh, prayer cool. language. And it was really cool, cool because great. I think sometimes people get so even caught up. I mean, yeah. I'm talking very practically here, Yeah, that's good. but on the function of it. Yeah. And I also, like when you talk about scriptures, how can you look at, okay, at the end of Ephesians six, when it talks about the armor, this is a sentence we always miss. And at the very end, it says, and pray in the spirit at all times. That's right. Yeah, it's good. And, you know, it's little, little things that yeah. we pass over or miss. Yeah. And I, I heard John Bevere say once that the Lord will not ask you to do something that he's already not doing. And, and if he says to speak to him without ceasing, to pray without ceasing, well, guess what? God is speaking to us without ceasing. Right. And, but he goes into it and he says, but how do you pray without ceasing? Like, your mind is not powerful enough. Like you can't, you don't have the mental capacity to, to pray without ceasing. But if you have a prayer language where it bypasses your mind, and that's if you're listening to this, you're like, "What are they talking about?" Prayer language. Yes, yes. It's it, the Bible says when you pray in the spirit, you cannot pray amiss. You cannot pray wrong, and and so and and it's easy. It's not a it's not a mentally draining thing because your mind isn't working at it. Thank it's, goodness. Yes, right. <laughs> And then your mind can't get in the way. Exactly. And that's why sometimes we pray in our in our using our mind, and we're praying in words we understand, and it's not in alignment with God's will. It might right. be a good prayer, but it's not what God wants to do. And so when you begin, to your point, when you pray in the Spirit, you're praying perfectly in alignment with God's will. And you're praying your spirit because your spirit's praying yes. to God. Yep, that's yeah. right. And I'm like, I want that all day. That's right. Over so good. mine. Yeah. But yeah. And so, and then the last chapter is just on healing because again, that's right. I was here, I was suffering from this horrible postpartum depression, insomnia, everything. And I started to read the gospels. I'm like, he healed all the time. Yeah. That was new to me. Yeah. And so I went to the pastor of our church that we were going to. And I, I said, I was so excited because I thought, well, maybe I'm going to get healed because I suffered greatly. And with the last child so horribly, I never. Took my life, but I want. I never tried to take my life. Yeah. But the thought of getting out of my body because I was suffering so horribly was um, a good thought. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of that. It, you you went there often because you're like, just give me sweet release. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And it's very real. And yeah. that's one thing I want women to know. It's very real, mm-hmm. and it, it does happen in hormonal ups and downs. And you know, thankfully, um, God set me up and got me to some great doctors and holistic and and regular doctors sure. and I was healed, but, um, it was a very dark time. And, and at that time, I'm glad I had many prayer warriors around me. Yeah. But my point in healing is I believe it is for today. Yeah. And I don't know where we miss this again. And I, I don't like the fact that people say, well, if it's God's will, I think he always wants us to be healed. We don't know about his timing, Yeah. but I, his will. Well, is there any, is there any sickness in heaven? Right. No. And what does Jesus say? Pray heaven on earth. Exactly. Like, as it is in heaven, let it be on earth, right? Like, so, okay, 
well, there's no heal, there's no sickness in in heaven, so right. we need to be praying for that healing now. Right. And uh, to your point, God's timing, and we see with Paul, he had a thorn in the flesh. A lot of people believe that was an ailment that he would pray. We see, mm-hmm. we see, uh, you know, I think the chosen is a great. Uh, oh, you know, you you see the uh, was James. it James, right? Yeah, I just. And, saw that yeah and i i wasn't sure if they were taking creative liberties yep. maybe they did in the communication sure, between right, jesus right. and james yep. but i went and looked up was james did he have an ailment and yes he yep. had a paralysis yep. and jesus said to him i will trust a few people with this because i know they will still give me the glory even though they're out healing people yeah and i know you will yeah isn't that awesome? And that, that was huge. And that, you know, and I think the way the chosen laid that out, it was such a beautiful moment of Jesus saying, James, this is tough. And I know it's mm-hmm. I know it's tough. Mm-hmm. But you're strong. You you're special. You can carry this burden. And the glory of God will be even more so seen because of what you're going through right now. So trust me mm-hmm. that I don't give you that healing right now. Cause I know you want it. Right. But trust me. Yeah. And and I think that's like I was just it was one of those things where it was just like, wow. I had that the was same powerful. response. Yeah. And then thinking he and he said, you will be yeah, healed right, right. when you meet the Lord. Oh yeah. You know? Hundred percent. Yeah. And he is yeah. now, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I think too, maybe as we wrap up, if you're listening to this, put it in a put it in eternal perspective. Cause think about James. He had how many years on this earth? You know, he was uh, he was martyred. He was, uh, you know, it was a, uh, there was, what, 50, 60, 70 years you have on this life. John, John the Beloved lived into his 90s uh, and, and the only disciple that, you know, lived a full life and died a natural death. But like, the, even those guys, even John, 90 years. And, and now, what has he been experiencing for the last 2,000 years? Exactly. You know, he wouldn't trade any of the suffering. He was exiled to the island of Patmos. He was tried to, they tried to kill him. They put him in a a vat of boiling oil, uh, oil, right? right? They tried to kill him. That would suck, Uh, you know? But, you know, think about all of the persecution he experienced or James, the problems that Paul experienced and Peter. And yes, in the moment, it is hard. It is not easy. The burden is, can be very difficult, but but they knew Jesus and they knew that he was the one that took their burden ultimately. And now James is healed and he is, He's saying, listen, man, if I would have just known, could seen what was coming, I would have never even gone down that path to even worry about it, you know? And, mm-hmm. and yet and yet, we kind of get locked in this like little 70 years that we have on this earth, we 80 do. years. And oh, it's, and then I always ask people, Where, what are you going to be thinking in 10,000 years? And sometimes when you ask like uh, someone who's maybe not very like in tune spiritually or, or walking with the Lord, they're like, what? Mm-hmm. What do you mean? What am I going to be thinking in 10,000 years? I'm going to be dead. Like, no, you'll be thinking something, Mm -hmm. but what will you be thinking? You'll either be thinking, what, why was I so foolish? I totally gave it all away for 90 years of pleasure. Or you'll be thinking, I'm praise God. I'm in his presence, but what was I worried about? You know, why was I so, why did I let those little problems of earth scare me so much when I had the, the King, right? with me the mm-hmm. whole time and and so you know i think it's just that earth it's a eternal perspective, perspective over that right now here and now earthly perspective and so i agree yeah but, but becky i love what you're doing and this is a amazing book tell people uh where they can go to get the book okay. and how they can get a hold sure. of you it's on um amazon great so you go there and, and it's called what i didn't learn in church uh, Rebecca Hitchcock. So if you're, yep. So type that in. And then on Instagram, it's BTP Ministries, and it's 
stands for Beyond the Pew Ministries. So they can follow me on Instagram, BTP Ministries. I love it. I yeah. love it. Well, thank you so much for joining Thanks us. Thanks for having me. And uh, it's, I'm so glad that you came in and we got, and it's fun that like, you're, you're in Carmel. You know, we have so many talented, awesome people right in this area doing so many cool things. And so I'm glad we got connected. And, and uh, well, I'm sure I'm sure this will not be the last time that uh, we link arms and do things together for the glory of, of God. But, but thank you for what you're doing. And uh, again, reach out to Becky. What I didn't learn in church, tra- transformative truths beyond the pew. And it's BTP ministries beyond the pew ministries so nathan do you have anything you'd like to say (laughs) let me try this again nathan do you have anything you'd like to say (laughs) oh that's hilarious Uh, okay well i'll take i'll take us out here and uh like i've been doing the last few episodes because nathan has been dropping the ball and not showing up for the jesus sex and politics podcast but this has been jesus sex and politics where we talk about all those scary things that people don't like to talk about. Follow us, subscribe, share, tell your liberal friends about the truth of God's word so that the truth will set them free. All right, we'll see you next time.